And if you would remain standing for the reading of the Word of God, we are in the book of Colossians this morning, chapter 3. One verse, Colossians 3.18. Eleven words. And I want you to turn there so that you see that this is God's Word and not my Word. Those who are laughing have read ahead and they know exactly where we're going this morning. Hopefully this is not an act of spiritual suicide. We will find out if this has been helpful or not. But this is God's Word. And God's Word says in verse 18, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, you have spoken, and we should listen. As we look at your scriptures, it is not just wives who are called to submit, but we as your people are called to submit to the authority of your word this morning. And that should be the posture of our hearts. That as we look at the scriptures, it's not about what we think or feel, but it is about what you have revealed to us in and through your word. God, I ask for grace. And I ask that the Holy Spirit would be with me as I share from your word. And I ask for grace and that the Holy Spirit would tenderize our hearts this morning as we look at what it means for a wife to live for your glory, to live as you design and intend. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, aloha. How's it? Okay, three of you are good. The rest of you, I don't know what's going on, but I, I love you. I'm really glad that you're here. We're blessed that you would, we really are blessed and humbled that you would take your Sunday morning to be worshiping Jesus with us. And we pray that God would bless you and his word and that God would bless this time together. Um, God spared us too. I mean, that could have been really bad with the hurricane uh, a few days ago, but thankfully, um, at least in Kona side anyway, we've been blessed and God has been merciful, but you can be praying for uh, the others who are affected really on every other part of the island except kind of West Hawaii specifically and here in Kona. And so um, hopefully you got a surf in. Any of you guys get a surf in at all? Okay, there you go. A couple of you. I didn't, so I'm jealous for those of you who did. But um, yeah, we're, we are in uh, the Word of God this morning, and we are in the book of Colossians. One verse, and um, we're looking at what it looks like to have Christ in our lives. That's really the theme of the book of Colossians, Christ in everything. That Jesus is so preeminent that he belongs in every area and venue of our lives and of our hearts. He doesn't just get Sunday. He doesn't just get a little piece of our life. He gets all of it, including marriage. And so when we talk about Christ in marriage, today we're specifically looking at the wife and the role of the wife. Now, 
Uh, if you're like a, if you're a wife this morning, you're like, well, what about the husbands? Next week, <laughs> next week is the husband's turn. But Paul, being the gentleman that he is, is addressing ladies first. So, ladies, uh, it is first, and you might be thinking, why should I tune into this message? Well, first, if you're a wife, this is God's word, and this would be extremely relevant for you. That's why. God has spoken, and God has, is directly speaking to you as a wife this morning. That's why. And even if you desire to be a wife, or if you're a man and you're pursuing a wife, I think these truths will be exceedingly helpful for you as well. And if none of those apply... And you're thinking, well, maybe I can dart out of church early. Why would I sit in through the rest of this message? If you are a Christian this morning, the Bible uses language to describe the people of God, the church, being that Jesus is the head of the church and we, the people, are the bride of Christ. And since we are the bride of Christ, every man and woman who belongs to the people of God and Jesus in and through the church, we are uniquely called to play the role of, of, in some spiritual metaphorical sense, we are the bride of Christ. And so this also applies to you because the relationship between a husband and a wife is an earthly animation of what your submission looks like vertically to God. The point is, as the people of God, we are all called to submit. So even if you're uh, single and you, none of these truths will directly apply to you, you can look at what, what Paul and God in and through the scriptures is calling the wife to do. And there are biblical parallels and truths you can apply to your life as a follower who submits to Jesus. Or at least a follower, if you're not a Christian, who should submit to Jesus. So... Funny thing is, we dodged one storm a couple of days ago, but we're stepping into another storm right now. This is going to be controversial. But I am not my own. I belong to Jesus. And I don't get to choose whatever I talk about on Sunday. This message... Wives, I want you to hear me. Women, I want you to hear me. Is the result of me submitting to the greater authority of Jesus Christ. And my desire is to please Him above all other things. No matter how much this message is going to rub against the cultural grain of where we are at today. I would rather please Jesus and offend you then please you and offend Jesus. But even then, this is not an apology for what we're going to be talking about. Even then, this message, I hope you hear it, is not with a posture of pointing the finger and saying, and you should desire all these things, but ultimately it's my desire that I would come alongside, that I would serve you with God's word well, and that I would honor God and his word and bring glory to his name. So, verse 18. 11 words, extremely controversial. But before we begin to assemble our beliefs 
on these truths, we actually need to disassemble first and unravel unhealthy beliefs when it comes to biblical Christ-exalting marriage. Okay? So first we're going to begin to unravel and, and unpack before we begin to uh, build and form some convictions and beliefs. When Paul says in verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. As, as controversial as this may seem, Paul is not advocating for the two cultural views that many people have been influenced by knowingly or unknowingly or have just completely bought into knowingly. What are those cultural views I'm speaking of? Well, today, the cultural views, though Paul was not directly dealing with these cultural views, today, we very much live with the influence, whether we realize or not, of the cultural worldviews that compete against the truth that Paul is speaking here. And those cultural views are feminism and chauvinism. Feminism and chauvinism. And so what we need to do is kind of talk about feminism and chauvinism and look at those things in light of the scriptures and then do some deconstruction before we build up our convictions and build uh, some healthy beliefs on what marriage looks like. And when I say feminism, I mean modern feminism because there have been helpful historical movements with feminism in the past that have brought about a more biblically-based, God-honoring view of womanhood. There have been. It's the, the woman's right to vote, a woman's right to drive a car. I mean, there are still places in the world where women do not have those rights. And so there is somewhat uh, evidences of God's common grace at work when, when women are brought to be equal in the eyes of, of, of culture with men because many cultures have not done that historically. So when I say feminism, I'm often speaking of modern feminism. So what is modern feminism? Modern feminism elevates the worth of women at the expense of men. It's the, 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 the man's haters club, right? It's making men, modern feminism makes men seem inferior and less necessary in life. In fact, some modern feminists will say men are virtually not necessary at all. We don't need them to flourish at all. And you see this. You, you're, you, some of your favorite shows you can stream in on Netflix and that you've liked. and the, They don't even have men around or if the man is around, he's a moron. He's just stupid, isn't he? Think about the, fa the family comedy. Who's the, who's the stupidest character? It's the dad. And the dad gets to be saved by the pet dog because the dog is smarter than the dad, right? If there's a father figure at all. But in fact, that's why... Many shows today, they don't, they don't even have a male presence involved uh, within some of these shows. And then that's just film and art. And then you have um, politics and just uh, leadership, whether it be cultural leadership, politics, or corporations, where you have, well, men, they, they've led, and they've had their chance to lead, and they've blown it. So now we just don't need men to lead at all. It should only be women who should be in that type of role, or socially we have the movements today. The, really, honestly, it's a revival. 
There is a secular revival that is taking place that the church is being blindsided by, and we're not even ready for it. And I think that secular revival is the revival of equality, and specifically when it comes to women's equality. Uh, we can't get into gender, though God made man and woman in his own image, and we're, we're going to have to deal with that in the future, and I, we will at some point have to deal with that in the future. But for the sake of this message, socially, Within feminism, women's equality, what it does is it actually has gone so far now that it blurs the lines of distinction between manhood and womanhood altogether. The case of modern feminism says that men and women are the same. And they're not. But, sh- but chauvinism, it's the other side, it's the the other extreme. And the narrative of chauvinism is that what it does is similar to feminism, chauvinism elevates the worth of men at the expense of women, making women seem inferior and just less valuable. Treats women as as invaluable. We're unlike feminism, you could call it higher patriarchy or or chauvinism, has actually been around for much longer than feminism. In fact, the majority of countries to this day, other than Western countries, still operate in a chauvinistic type culture, higher patriarchy um, way of doing life uh, between man and a woman. And even historically, that's been the case for the most part. It's much less trendy nowadays because of the movement uh, of, of modern feminism. But some still think this way, even within Christianity, even within the church, uh, even if it's more discreetly. Historical chauvinism is that women were often treated like animals or property. Women were objects for men to use at their pleasure, and then we don't need them anymore. They just would dispose them off to the side. It would result in abuse. Women would be outcast. Oftentimes, even in courts of law, women would have zero rights. It's because chauvinism's view is women don't know what they want. They need a man in their life to tell a woman what they want. It's disgusting. Modern chauvinism may be a little bit more subtle. Modern chauvinism often is whatever a man, whatever a woman is, that's what a man isn't. So if a woman is tender, a man needs to be tough. If a woman is affectionate, the man does not need to be affectionate in any way. No emotions, no crying. My wife cries all the time. I cannot cry at all. Whatever she is, I don't want to be that. In fact, if a woman is successful, often what men will do is they will belittle that woman's success. Making the case that modern chauvinism makes is that men and women unlike feminism, not only are they not even close to being the same, they are completely the opposite. So do you see how they fight against one another? You feminism saying men and women are exactly the same or women are even better, and then, and then you have chauvinism, which is there's, there's virtually nothing they have in common at all. And those with a chauvinistic worldview, which could be men or women, those with a chauvinistic worldview when they come to these verses and they read what Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands, what do chauvinists hear? Boss, dictator, manipulator, 
They're gods over their little domestic domain that everything exists for their own glory and their purpose and they feel entitled that they deserve this no matter how idiotic of a man they might be. Love you, men, but yeah. And I, I've, I've been at times in, in seasons of my life, I have not been helpful in loving my wife. But then there are those with a feministic worldview also, which could also be men and women. Men and women can also hold to this modern feministic worldview. And when they hear Paul say, wives, submit to your husbands, what do they hear? Women are less valuable. They read through the lens these verses of, of under, they, they don't even see the culture playing an influence on their mind and their thinking. And what they think is that there is no equality with submission. This is a license for women, women to be trampled on. And if you are a woman who is a feminist, and if you are a wife, you think, that men are not worthy to be given such authority over your life. When it comes to feminism, when it comes to chauvinism, both are wrong. Both are wrong. While feminism struggles to acknowledge men and women are different, chauvinism struggles to see men as, and women as equal, and neither of them get it right. Neither of them are true. Because in Jesus, and because of the gospel, in light of who God is, both male and female are made equal and valuable as image bearers of God. They're equal. They're valuable as image bearers of God. Men are not better than women. Women are not better than men. In fact, men and women were both made equal and valuable in the image of God. In fact, Paul even says this in verse 11 of chapter 3. Here, there is no Jew nor Greek, circumcised nor uh, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. We're all, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, there's no distinction between uh, who we are as image bearers of God. No matter what our identity is, we are all one in Christ. We are equal in the eyes of God. In fact, historically, the result of women being brought to a more equal playing field, to being viewed as valuable uh, culturally, really didn't happen until Jesus. Where even in the Gospels, the first witnesses of the resurrection who saw the empty tomb and who proclaimed, he's risen, he's not dead, was actually women. And, and did you know that even at that time, that's why many Jews, it was a stumbling block for them, and, and many other in secular society struggled with the account of the resurrection because the first people who went to the tomb were women. In your hearts and in your minds, when you read this verse, wives, submit to your husbands as it's fitting to the Lord, are you reading this verse with the influence or through the lens of feminism or chauvinism? If so, you are going to misinterpret and bend this verse to what you desire and what you actually want it to say instead of what God has actually declared. And if we give into, or even if we're being influenced by these worldviews in one way or another, we are doing what Paul says not to do. And he says, do not believe, do not give yourself over, Colossians chapter 1 and 2, to empty philosophy. It's empty. 
It's a philosophical way to view the world of how you should do life, and that way is empty. Tipping the scale towards one or the other, by belief or by practice, does not, will not bring life to marriage. It will not. So what God's word is calling for here is a gospel-centered balance that brings about flourishing for the husband and for the wife for the purpose of the exaltation of the glory of Jesus. And the way we move towards balance and gospel-centered maturity and flourishing is realizing and believing that husbands and wives are equal image bearers of God and they have distinguished roles designed by God. Do you see the difference? Husbands and wives are equal image bearers of God and have distinguished roles designed by God. Equal but different. In fact, that, that view that we have uh, at this church, you can go on our website, look at our statement of faith, and you can look at our distinctives. One of our distinctives is that we are complementarian, meaning we believe that husbands and wives are to live in such a way that while equal image bearers of God, they complement one another as God has designed their roles. Not as we desire or we think we should design, but as God intends. For the wife, Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands. Some of the wives in here. And if you've been married, if you're a wife, or even if you're a husband, or you've watched your parents growing up, or are watching your parents right now, like, what if I don't want to, right? Wives, submit to your husbands. Ah, uh, rather not. No. Yeah, no, I, I uh, no, I don't want to do that. If you refuse this truth, or you struggle with this truth, I want you to know this truth is not isolated. Verse 18 is not an island that is not connected to other truths in chapter 3. In fact, verse 18 is the result of what has happened earlier in the context of chapter 3. So if you struggle then with this truth of submission, or you refuse to submit, then let me point you to chapter 3, verse 1, which Paul says, you have been raised with Christ. If then you've been raised with Christ. And so my first question is, if you struggle with this, I don't just want to sit here and tell you, submit, submit, submit. No, have you been raised with Christ? Do you identify as a believer in Jesus? And have you said and confessed that Jesus is Lord and in believing that Jesus is Lord, you have been given a new heart because you've been given a new heart, you've been given new desires and your mind is changed and because your mind is changed, you set your mind on things above. You don't set your mind on the things of this earth. Colossians 3.2. Colossians 3, 5, then because you've been raised with Christ and because you've set your mind on things above, what do you do? You put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And part of putting to death what is earthly in you is the unwillingness in your heart to submit to your husband. You put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, wrath, 
anger, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, then what then? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. In other words, we're putting off the old and we're putting on the new. And wives, you can know if you're putting off the old and putting on the new if you have a willingness to submit to your husband. That's the inevitable cadence. If we're going to honor the context and rightly interpret the scriptures, that's what God's word is saying. There's, there's no other way. Well, what is the Greek word for submission? Because, I mean, maybe there's a way out of this. I, I, I looked it up. You know what it means? It means submission. The Greek word, in case you're wondering, it's, it's hupotasso which that Greek word was actually a military term. And, and, and if, you're gonna, if you want a definition of the word hupotasso, it actually means to place yourself under the authority. In addition to that, it also means to follow one's advice, guidance, or direction. So if we're going to develop and start to build now a healthy conviction and understanding of what what wives should be doing uh, as designed by God. Um, taking from what Huvatasso means, taking the context of these verses, and with some help from John Piper, this is how we're going to define submission this morning. Submission is walking in the divine call to follow your husband's lead and direction by helping with the gifts God has entrusted to you. Just say that one more time. Submission is walking in the divine call to follow your husband's lead and direction by helping him with the gifts God has entrusted to you. Now, culturally, again, this narrative is so negative. I'm not even going to unpack all the negative things. You can just go on Google and type up what, the, what, what people think about Christians about this truth, Okay. I'm not, I don't even want to give credence to that right now in this message. But the biblical narrative, just so you know, of submission is not negative but positive. In fact, even if you take this truth, what Paul is saying here, and then blend it with the first husband and wife that God joined together, uh, Adam and Eve, there in the garden. God sees Adam. He sees that it's not good that Adam is alone. And he tells Adam, I'm going to bring you a What? A helper. Adam, you need help, man. Like, you need help. And so I'm going to, because I see that you need help, I'm going to bring you a helper. And it's not just a helper, but Genesis 2.18 says, a helper fit for him. In other words, submission coincides with God's call for the wife to serve the husband in a way that is helpful, but not just helpful as, well, this is how I'm going to help you. Helper fit for him. That, that her help is fitting for and complementing her husband. Where she sees his weaknesses and she encourages and she loves and she prays for and she sees her strengths and she celebrates the strengths and she encourages and she, and, and in some areas of weakness, she, just because she's, it doesn't mean she can't confront, she still confronts, but she does so in a way knowing that ultimately her husband is going to answer to the Lord. And if we think submission 
Colossians 3.18, or help, Genesis 2.18, are derogatory, unjust words, then wives and husbands, you're wrong. You're wrong. Think about God. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of struggle. It is not a derogatory thing, wives, to be called a helper, for God himself helps his people. He is such a helper that in his help, he becomes our strength. He becomes our refuge. In fact, before Jesus ascends into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. In John chapter 17, he tells the disciples, I cannot be with you, but you're God in the flesh. You're right here. This is really nice, actually. Why do you have to go anywhere? Jesus says, it's better for me to go. And when I go, I will leave, but I will send the Holy Spirit, the helper. I will give you the helper. So even uh, within the Trinitarian God, uh, God, the Holy Spirit, one of his attributes is that he helps. And then when it comes to submission when thinking about God, how about this? John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus says, why did Jesus come? I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Even in the Trinity, and the God whom we worship, God the Son places himself under the authority and the direction of God the Father. And then Hebrew 12, Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Listen to this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God on the throne. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Did Jesus enjoy the cross? No. Yet, it brought Jesus joy to submit to the will of the Father and to place himself under the authority of the Father. And he did it joyfully. You guys, God himself in Jesus submitted and God is our helper. Jesus being a helper did not make him inferior or less important, did it, ladies? Jesus is equal in power and in glory with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Yet Jesus himself has a different role. There's even complementary roles within the Trinitarian God whom we worship. It doesn't mean, ladies, but you being called to be a submissive, helpful wife that is not derogatory or negative. Ladies, you have been called to be a helpmate to your husbands that above all other earthly desires and tasks, after your devotion to Christ, your husband is next. And if you don't like what I'm saying, take it up with the Word of God. In fact, that's why some of you, when you got married, now there's some pretty ridiculous marriage vows out there. Some people write their own marriage vows. I'm not a huge fan of that. If you did that, I'm not judging you, but I'm judging you. <laughs> but some of the old school, some of the old school marriage vows I love, and one of those is forsaking all others. 
Wives, submit to your husbands. Wives, you don't have to submit to other men. Just so you know, if you're dating, you don't have to submit to your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Now, it would be good for you to test out his leadership and to let him bring some guidance and direction, but if, but if he's like demanding submission, uh-uh, there's not a, he put in, he's got to put a ring. He's got to get the ring. He's got to make some commitment. You've got to say your vows. Then submission gets to play out biblically as Christ calls. It drives me crazy with these dating relationships that become like mini marriages. Unhealthy. But, I lost my train of thought. I was not planned. Oh, forsaking all others. <laughs> forsaking all others. Wives, you submit to your husbands. You belong to your husband. You belong to your husband. You're like, I don't know if I like that. Well, then you shouldn't have gotten married. But you're married now, so deal with it. And this idea of submission, ladies, I hope you're hearing, wow, if this is what submission is, then I don't know if I want to get married or if the guy I'm dating right now, that's okay. Then you're beginning to understand the, the severity and the weight of what it means to be a wife called by God to to live in this role God intends. So wives, hear me on this. When it comes to submission and helping, um, getting a job is a good thing. Flourishing in your career is fine. Parenting the kids is important. Hanging out with your friends is good. Date nights and girls' nights out and shopping and beautifying yourself are good things that you can and you should enjoy. C.S. Lewis said, if the bar needs painting, paint it. Speaking of makeup, that's what he said, not me. That's what, so... You can enjoy, that's what he said, not me. I probably shouldn't have said that either. But beyond all of those desires, and those are good and those are fine desires, Jesus first and then your husband. This does not make you less inferior or less human. But it's your divine role given to you by God. You're called, you are called, wives, to build up and to support your husband. Be for him. Don't be against him. In fact, when you are against your husband, you're rebelling against the very thing God intends, and you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. Because submission and help is meant to bring order and flourishing to our lives specifically to marriages. You can't look anywhere culturally uh, or anywhere in this world where there is flourishing without seeing some order and some submission. Just think about an orchestra. A musician who plays in the orchestra, the musician has to submit themselves to the person who composed the music and then the conductor, they must follow and submit to his guidance, his timing, and his direction. And what if there's like a clarinet player? Because the clarinet's the most annoying instrument ever in the world. <laughs> Someone said amen to that. That's awesome. Um, what if the clarinet decides to do a solo in the middle of like something? And they don't follow, and they decide to go and play different notes, play out a key, or not follow. It's, it's, is it going to flourish and sound beautiful? No. There's flourishing when there is submission. There's flourishing in the army or the military. You have privates who submit to sergeants. You have sergeants who, who submit to majors. How on earth do you have hundreds of thousands of men and women who served in the armed forces with explosive devices and they don't kill one another? Think about that. 
hupotasso. Authority, submission. It's true even for, for children. Man, when children run the home, oh my gosh, our kids have ran the home from season to season. It, when, when they, not that they, we like to say, hey, take over, you're the parents, but we inevitably let their desires and their wants control the, and dictate our lives instead of our desires and our leading and our guidance guide. And when that happens, our house, it's a mess. But when our children know their place and we know our place as parents and that we are put in charge and that children are crazy, I love them, they're insane. My kids, if they would, they would have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, snacks, candy, Skittles, they, they would just have whatever they want. Because when there is authority and the acknowledgement of that authority and there is submission, there is flourishing. Christians, when Christians submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, is that not beautiful? We've all been called to submit. Paul adds in Ephesians, we mutually submit to one another as well. Part of God's design for marriage is that wives would submit to the leadership of their husbands. Wives, I know this is difficult. I know. I mean, I don't know, but I know. This is why it's awkward right now for me. Search the scriptures, and if you disagree with me, see if what we are saying is untrue. And wives, God is calling you to greater life. By faith, ladies, allow your husbands to lead. And if you do not, or you are unwilling, or you're going to make it miserable for him along the way, you are not being a helper fit for him. And you are working against yourself. But he's going to make a mistake. And he's not as smart as I am. And he does it. Maybe that's true. But let me just tell you, he is going to make a mistake. And you know who will be responsible for the mistakes that he makes? Not you, him. When we're talking about headship, the one who is responsible is the one who leads. And he will have to give an account to his God, to his Lord, when he fails to lead in leadership or even when he flourishes and does well. And when he does not, you will not have to give an account for his failures. You will have to give an account for your submission. And if you're still thinking right now, I'm, I'm going to encourage you, he will make mistakes. Let him. No, that's crazy. But this is an act of worship and an exercise of your faith in the sovereignty of God. Is Christ not in all things? Christ is in your marriage. He has your husband. Even if he isn't a believer, be praying. So as long as your unbelieving husband is not demanding that you do something that is unbiblical, though I'm jumping ahead. So why, ladies, if you're thinking, why would I submit? He doesn't deserve it. He makes mistakes. He can't even put the toilet seat down. He doesn't know how to pick an, a good gift for me. He doesn't remember our anniversary. Why would I want to submit my husband's? Because verse 18 says, wives submit to your husband's as is fitting in the Lord. Or some translations say, as unto the Lord. Why? Do you even heard it? anything else I've said this morning. Why should you submit? Because God says so. 
he says so. And the one who created marriage has every right to tell us how marriage should be lived out. And because, and it's, there's this connection, interesting connection made here. I don't know if you see it. Wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. A wife's submission to her husband is a reflection of her submission to God. According to Paul, your maturity and flourishing in Jesus is in tandem with your submission to your husband. And if I say right now, if, if I say Jesus is Lord over my life, but I do not love my wife, and I do not love my children, and I do not love the people of God, can I claim to be a Christian? Wives, your submission to your husband or your lack of it reveals if you are reveals how willing you are to submit to the Lord Jesus. You submit to your husband as unto the Lord. If Jesus is Lord and a wife claims to submit to him and Jesus as Lord tells you, wives, submit to your husbands and you say no, are you submitting to Jesus? No. You cannot claim at the same time I'm a follower of Jesus and I love Jesus, but I hate my husband and I don't want to submit to him. No, that, that I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying you're in a place that is, that is showing that your trouble to submit yourself to your husband is actually ultimately trouble pointing you're unwilling to submit to God. I'm, t- I'm so going to get in trouble for this message. But this is the Bible. No, 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 you might be thinking right now, okay, but is there a time to not submit? Let me say this. Yes. Yes. If your husband is leading you away from Jesus Christ to a place of sin, you do not submit to your husband. Your allegiance is to God first. Why? Because you do not, this verse does not say, wives, submit to your husbands for the sake of your husbands. Who is it for the sake of? It's the Lord. You do not have to submit to him if he is leading you to a place of sin. If he is abusive, you do not have to submit to your husband. Okay? Wives, you do not have to submit to a place where he's leading you to harm or to sin. Hey, babe, let's just, let's just do this thing. Let's go here. Let's smoke this. Let's, let's do this act together. And, and, and it's unbiblical. You don't have to submit. You could say, hey, you know what? My, my allegiance is to Jesus first and not you. I submit to him as my ultimate authority. And let me just say this. Wives of, div- uh, of horrible husbands, or if you're divorced or widowed, or even if uh, earthly husbands uh, haven't loved you or served you, or if they've exploited your submission, Jesus is a better man and he loves you, and you are safe to submit yourself to him. He will carry you, and he is with you, and he will not abuse you, and by his wounds you are healed. Come to him if you are weary and heavy laden, and he is your rest. Okay. You are safe in the loving arms of your ultimate husband, Christ. hear me let's not let 
the distortion of man negate the beauty of God's design for marriage. God's design for marriage is beautiful, that husbands would love their wives. That's next week. It's coming. But now, in this moment, that wives would submit to their husbands. And the wife should submit joyfully to her husband as the church joyfully submits to Jesus Christ because that's what Ephesians 5 says. Ephesians 5 says, Wives, love your husbands as Christ loves the church. Because marriage is the clearest earthly relationship showcasing the gospel. And Alistair Begg says this, When a wife expresses submissive love to her husband, she is showing how a believer responds to the Lord Jesus. When she does not, she is confusing the issue and marring the gospel. So wives, there's grace. You have the Holy Spirit. You've been raised with Christ. But let me just ask you, is your submission an illustration of the gospel? The evidence of Christ in marriage is made visible when wives joyfully follow the lead and the direction of their husbands, helping them with their gifts for the glory of God and the flourishing of their family, specifically their husband. And husbands, do not use this verse as a club to beat your wife into submission. Let the work of God the Spirit do that work in her life. Husbands, God has called your wife to submit to you, not because you were worthy of it, but because he is. God calls your wife to submit to you so that he would be glorified, not so that your wife would meet all of your needs selfishly. In fact, most, sem- uh, most seminars and marriage books, even within Christian circles that have to do anything with marriage, almost always begin and focus on the man's needs and the woman's needs. The woman has these needs, the man has so let's meet one another's needs. When in reality, marriage must be focused on God and his glory above all else before we even get to what we need. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Wives, you submit for the glory of God. Husbands, we love for the glory of God because God at the end of the day is concerned first with his glory and the sake of his name before our needs are met. What if Jesus came and he was like, what about my needs? I don't want to be crucified. Like, what about my needs? It's absurd. It's insane. May we empty ourselves. May we live for his glory. God has established your marriage to display the beauty of the gospel. Husbands, should forgive your wives, should love them, and we're going to get into that next week, even if they don't do this. Wives, know that this is what God is calling you to, and ultimately this is for the sake of our flourishing and the glory of Jesus' name. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have spoken to us your intended design for marriage, that we don't have to guess our roles, but that you clearly define our roles. And if any way I've gotten in the way of your message, may your spirit do the work of convicting, guiding, encouraging, building up to help us see what you've intended for our marriages to bring your glory. I pray for the marriages of Shorebreak. I pray specifically for the wives here this morning that they would see, God, what you've called them to, not because their man deserves it, but because they want to do it as unto you, because you are Lord.
May they do it with joy. And may we as your people, as the bride of Christ, submit ourselves joyfully and willingly to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.